Truth News Network. What really is the price of freedom? Do you know? Is it the fight to let men into women's bathrooms? The fight to groom children into an agenda in the schools? Or is it the fight to stifle dissent and so-called misinformation? Truth is, it's none of those things. If you'd like to see it, the price of freedom is visible and on display at your local VA hospital. And that's the truth. From TNN, the Truth News Network. And your master of fact is Dan Newman. My brother wrote a song years ago. It was meant to be a country song, a little ditty. And the title of it was, Anything Worth Having is Worth Hurting For. Now, obviously, the reference was a love story. You know, something soft and sweet and gentle. But no, no, no. Look at where we are today in our nation's history. We're just one little blot on the pathway of history of the United States of America. But this one will have a little asterisk above it because it looks like this may be the spot on the calendar where the greatest representative Republican world history no longer is a representative republic. We're turning into a puppet-run nation. And circumstances are proving that beyond question every day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. No, I'm not down. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm incensed at all of the lying that's going on on the top of our government. Excuse me. And when our leaders no longer hold truth as one of the tenets of what they do and how they do it and why they do it, when it's all about them, me, 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 and none of it is about we the people, you know we're losing our nation and we're losing it to hardcore leftist narrative and political partisanship. We've got many examples of that today. So this is going to be a tough ride. We're going to reveal a lot of truths. If you were here yesterday, you heard Dunstan Teo from back in, Ju- uh, back in December, December of last year. When he came aboard, he reached out to me and came uh, aboard to point out some of the evil that wasn't even hidden or attempted to be kept hidden that's happening in the Biden administration, and it involves Ukraine. If you didn't hear yesterday's show, go get it. Go to your favorite podcast site like Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. They, They all have... TNN Live there and get yesterday's show and take a listen to it. We're going to have a long day, but it's going to be full of information, facts, some of them good, some of them bad, but every one of them are factual. And so this is one of those days you're one going to go get maybe two or three other cups of coffee during this show. Stay with me. I'm gonna do all the things for you. A girl wants a man to do. 
little soothing ditty there. <laughs> That's going to make us feel okay for a little bit. Maybe just a little bit. But Michael McDonald doing any love song. He's just got those pipes. And women just love that. And he's got steel blue eyes. So there you go. He's got the total package. Well, let's just get right to it. I, uh, I warned you at the opening. We've got a bunch of really nasty things that we must weigh in. We've got to get these out in the open. Listen to this. There is literally no description to adequately capture what a Pandora's box of horrors the Democrats have opened up here. Laura Ingram saying this on her show last night. Because when political prosecutors across four jurisdictions, four are on a wild-eyed hunt for former president and his top advisors. An incendiary precedent has been set with the dirty work already done by Alvin Bragg and now Fannie Willis. There is no stepping back from this precipice now. The case we're talking about, it basically boils down to the criminalizing of aggressive lawyering, lawyering, Because people like John Eastman, other experienced legal minds offered the president a novel and yes, a controversial approach to challenging the electoral process. And because President Trump agreed to follow their advice, well, because he agreed to do that, Willis charged them all with an array of state crimes, Ingram said. Rudy Giuliani, Eastman, Jenna Ellis, Sidney Powell were all charged under the indictment by Fannie Willis down in Georgia. Ingram brought up comments by two-time Democrat gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams of Georgia. Remember? Oh, my God, we forgot about her. She refused to concede the 2018 governor's election to Republican Brian Kemp, claiming voter suppression took place. I mean, could you make the argument that, what, George W. Bush and Al Gore's teams should be slapped or should have been slapped with some type of indictment after the 2000 recount? Now, what this full-court press against Trump virtually guarantees, and this is the part that Democrats don't understand, they don't care about, they're looking at the right now. They're not looking at 6, 10, 15, 20 years down the the road. They have virtually guaranteed that during every election cycle for the foreseeable future, there will be some urging the party in power to seek indictments against the leading candidate of the other party. This dynamic always has and only will work one way, to disenfranchise voters, voters, who are the bosses of all these people that want to become leaders in our nation. And these voters would like to vote for the conservative candidate of their choosing, It's the ultimate in election interference through corrupt, politically venal indictments. And who are the real defenders 
of democracy again? So many, so many pieces of this. So I sat back last night. Our oldest daughter, Kimby, has four sons. Now, she's not a baby. Kimby's in her mid-40s now. She's lived in the same world, grown up in the same world, in our household for a number of years. She's been out in the world with a family, a job, a career. So she sees and she faces all of this stuff. And this morning, she came into my studio just for a few minutes. And we talked. She was very upset, upset about all of this craziness that's going on that she really doesn't understand. And I tried to walk her through just the surface level and point to the things that Laura Ingram just had to say that I shared with you. That's what her generation, Kimby's generation, that's what they need to understand. It's being taken away from us. And so now what we're watching happen before our eyes is a in-power politician who wants to guarantee that he will win. And the only way to guarantee it is to take the number one opponent out of the race, put him in prison. You think this hasn't happened before? Last year, let me give you some examples. Last year, communist dictatorship down in Cuba They held a mass trial for 21 protesters and dissidents. Cuban communist authorities held a trial culminating on Friday. This is from a news story from two years ago. For 21 protesters who took to the streets on July 11th to protest against communism, prosecuting children and adults with mental health issues along with healthy adults in one mass trial a prosecutorial indictment from Holguin, Eastern Cuba. Verified by sources, documented a mass trial for 21 people ranging in age from 16 to 59. Those people were all allegedly present during the same protest on July 11th, all faced the charge of sedition. But the detailed crimes in question vary wildly from allegations of punching and stoning cops to filming a protest to simply being present during what the prosecutor in charge described as a tumult meant to incite counter-revolutionary thinking. That's Cuba. In 2020 in Turkey, which, by the way, is run by a democratically elected autocrat, nearly 500 people were sentenced to life in prison in one trial for their alleged participation in a 2016 coup attempt. And by the way, one cheered by some of the same Democrats who later impeached Trump. I'm saying in our government, a court in Turkey sentenced 475 defendants to lengthy prison terms, in many cases handing down multiple life sentences. That was in a mass trial for traitors who were accused of participating in the 2016 attempt 
to overthrow President Recep Erdogan's election. The defendant Erdogan is most eager to put on trial remains elusive as the U.S. That guy's here in the U.S. And our government refuses to extradite the coup mastermind, Fatula Gulen, a longtime resident of Pennsylvania. Gulen has vehemently denied any involvement in the incident. And our government has asserted it also has no evidence suggesting he was involved. Almost 100,000 arrests have been made in connection with the coup attempt in 2016. At least 150,000 Turkish citizens have been fired from their jobs over suspected links to Hizmet religious and political group created by Gulen. Erdogan and his officials refer to this group as the Fatula Terrorist Organization. In 2014, Egypt tried 170 supporters of the ousted, elected, and Islamist former president, and they sentenced some to death. A pair of Egyptian courts convicted 170 suppected supporters of toppled President Mohamed Morsi on charges related to violent attacks, the country's last, latest mass trials ahead of a presidential election. The convictions in the courts in Cairo and in the Nile Delta city of Kafir are the latest in a series over recent months that saw hundreds of people, prosecutors identified as Morsi supporters, sentenced to death or imprisonment. And I mean, we can go all the way back to 1956. The apartheid regime in South Africa tried 156 defendants at once. Why? Opposing the government's racial discrimination policies. In what became to be known as a treason trial, charges were slowly dropped. The defendants were eventually acquitted. At a press conference near midnight on Monday, deep down in Georgia, Fulton County, District Attorney Fannie Willis, listen to what she said. I intend to try all 19 defendants at once. Sound familiar at all? Well, let me just roll back the history book in the United States of America for you. How about, let's do that. We have more than 150 examples that show Democrats in the United States denied election results, including people like uh, President Joe Biden, two-time failed presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, Representatives Barbara Lee, Maxine Waters, both from California, Sheila Jackson Lee from Houston, Texas, and by the way, failed Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams. In fact, every single Democrat president president since 1977 has questioned the legitimacy of U.S. elections. That's according to Republican National Committee notes. In both 2013-2016, 
Biden himself claimed that Al Gore won a 2000 presidential election. In May 2019, Biden said he absolutely agrees that Trump was an illegitimate president. Biden cast doubt on the legitimacy of the 2022 midterms last year. In 2006, then-DNC Chairman Howard Dean stated that he was, quote, not confident that the 2004 election in Ohio was fairly decided. Representative Nancy Pelosi said it's appropriate to have a debate concerning the 04 election and claimed that there were legitimate concerns regarding the integrity of U.S. elections. Then Representative, now Senator Bernie Sanders, cast doubt on the security of electronic voting machines back in 04, saying he was worried that some machines do not have a paper trail. In the 2016, seven House Democrats tried to object to the 2016 election electoral votes in Congress. After Trump's victory in 2016, 67 Democrats boycotted his inauguration, some of them claiming Trump's victory was not real. It was not legitimate. In September of 2017, Hillary Clinton said she would not rule out questioning the legitimacy of the 2016 election. In October of 2020, she added the 2016 election was not conducted legitimately, saying this, we still don't really know what happened. We do, Hillary. You got your butt beat. In addition, Democrats supported Stacey Abrams in her stolen election claims. Hillary said Stacey would have won Georgia's gubernatorial race if she had a fair election and that Stacey Abrams should be governor but was deprived of the vote she otherwise would have gotten. Cory Booker said, I think that Stacey Abrams' election is being stolen from her. Senator Sherrod Brown of Ohio contended that if Stacey Abrams doesn't win in Georgia, it's because they stole it. Senator Elizabeth Warren said the evidence suggests the race was stolen from Stacey Abrams. We won, Abrams falsely claimed about the 2018 election. I didn't lose. We got the votes, and we were robbed of an election. She also called it a stolen election multiple times and argued it was not free or fair. Folks, now you know it. I know it. Everyone with a brain knows it. Even Democrats deep down know it. The 2020 election was stolen. The debate is over. How do I know it? Because both the feds and Georgia just indicted our president for talking about questioning and trying to investigate a stolen election. When the communist thugs bullies, and tyrants make it a crime to question a stolen election in a country built around, oh, I don't know, things like free speech. It's 100% proof 
They stole the election. Now, let me just take this down where I live every day. There is a perfect precedent in the NFL. (laughs) The game was called the Miracle in the Meadowlands. Everything about that fixed game reminds me of the 2020 stolen election. It's a perfect match. Now, let me break it down for you. I'm a football guy. Anybody that knows me knows that I am. The game was the New York Giants against the Philadelphia Eagles, November 19, 1978. The Giants had it won. All they had to do was kneel the ball, and the game was over. But they decided to run one more play for no reason. The Giants quarterback tried to hand the ball off. The running back refused the ball. It fell to the ground. No, New York Giant wanted to pick it up. An Eagles player, Herm Edwards, picked the ball up with only a few seconds on the clock, ran it back untouched into the end zone. It was the most unlikely win in the history of the NFL, and it became known as the miracle in the Meadowlands. But everybody with a brain, anybody who wasn't asleep or wasn't a complete moron, and every street-smart gambler knew they had just witnessed a fixed game. Today, everybody acknowledges that is how the finish of the miracle in the Meadowlands happened. It was a stolen football game. Philadelphia had to win, or people were going to get their legs broken, or worse. (laughs) It wasn't a miracle. It was a mafia fix. No one can prove it, but we all know, everybody knows Sound familiar? Sometimes you don't need proof. You just automatically know. But the plot thickens. A decade later, 1989, one of the youngest TV hosts and anchormen in America was in his 20s and hosted NFL programming for CNBC. And you may remember CNN CNBC at that time was known as FNN, Financial News Network. One day, a famous best-selling author appeared as a guest, and his name was Dan Moldia. Dan was famous for writing bestsellers about the mafia, political corruption, and the murders of Robert F. Kennedy and Jimmy Hoffa. In 1989, he wrote a book titled Interference, how organized crime influences professional football. And in the book, he named actual fixed games. The one he built the whole book around was, guess what? The Miracle in the Meadowlands. But Nan, they had never got to appear to talk about the fixed miracle in the Meadowlands. The network banned him after a call came from who? The National Football League. Moldia was blackballed by the entire American mainstream media. The fix was in, and his book died. Moldia later said this, I've written about the murders of RFK and Jimmy Hoffa. No one ever banned me, but no one will allow me to talk about a fixed NFL football game. There's your proof. The game was fixed by the mafia. Now we know. 
That's why they wouldn't let me talk about it, because it's true. (laughs) Here we are. That was 89. (laughs) Here we are years later, and it's happening again with the fixed and stolen 2020 presidential election. But this time there's a new twist, even worse. You know why it's worse? Communists are far worse than the mafia. Democrats, media, social media conspired to ban any discussion or questions about the rigged and stolen 2020 election, just like the NFL and the mafia. If you talked about it, if you questioned it, you were suspended, shadow banned, or banned for life. You were also demonized and slandered. Here comes their term. They throw it out all the time. You're a conspiracy theorist. But no one listened. It just wouldn't go away. Just like the miracle in the Meadowlands, we all knew the election was rigged and it was stolen. Who needs proof when we have our own eyes? We could not be persuaded, intimidated, or bullied. Trump would not stop talking about it either. He was like a dog with a bone, a bull in a tiny shop. The bands, you can't talk about that. It was everywhere. I know hundreds of people, good, hardworking, honest American people who were afraid to even get into a conversation about thinking about the possibility of the 2020 election being rigged. Bans didn't accomplish anything. The noise would not go away. Polls showed a huge majority of Americans still believe today the 2020 election was rigged. The communist thugs started to panic. They couldn't let Trump run for president and keep talking about a stolen election. Worse, what if he won and, oh my gosh, opened a real investigation with a real Department of Justice and a real FBI? Democrats would go to prison for life. Or worse, this was treason. So they had to act to end this talk once and for all, to set an example, to make sure no one in America would ever again question any stolen election because we're going to come get you. We'll seek you out. We'll find you. We'll do away with your very existence. And you know why they're doing that? They implemented it in the aftermath of the 2020 election. They perpetrated and kept it going through 2022. You know why they're so diligently going after Donald Trump? They're not going after Donald Trump. They're going after the First Amendment. They're going after the rule of law. They're going after the structure of our nation for one reason and one reason only. They plan to rig the 
2024 election. So they have to get the dirty work done, and they started it even before Joe Biden took the oath of office. Have you ever thought about that? Oh, I forgot to tell you. I guess maybe I need to whisper this because I don't want anybody, anybody in government to know this. Critical information for investigating the Muskegon, Michigan voter fraud in 2020 is it's being withheld from public view right now. Oh, by the way, illegally held from public review. Investigating systemic voter fraud in the 2020 election in Muskegon requires examining the 8,000 to 12,000 likely fraudulent voter apps submitted by Biden campaign-funded GBI strategies in October of 2020. But those files, they've been buried, hidden from public view on the argument that they're part of an ongoing investigation by law enforcement. Ever heard that before? Oh, we can't talk in front of Congress. We can't talk about any ongoing investigation. This tactic for evading FOIA at the state and federal level, everybody knows about it. But it's used here to deny access to public records by taking them and not including a duplicate. That's brand new. According to far-left Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel, these admittedly false and fraudulent voter applications were never added to the voted rolls, but no one can know for sure because the files themselves, in violation of law, have been sealed and have been under investigation by her office and the FBI. Oh my gosh, that bastion of integrity and honesty. They've been covering it up for three years for a criminal case. Oh, by the way, criminal case? There's nobody being prosecuted, nobody even charged. There's no way to know whether a fraudulent application wasn't approved or later resubmitted in a less suspicious way and plenty of time to commit voter fraud in 2020. And you know, it actually happened. You know who caught it? The Muskegon clerk, Ann Meesh. Eight to 10,000 were turned in by one person <laughs> on one day. Let me give you a little context and we'll move on. Muskegon, Michigan, population 38,000 plus. A voting aid population of roughly 30,000. It had roughly 28,000 registered to vote in the 2020 election. Now, this is coming from the Michigan Qualified Voter File, also called the QVF, where 15,000 are recorded as having voted, 9,378 of which were voting absentee. You got that? 15,000 voted, 9,300 absentee voted. So when a group is paid $11 million to do, quote, unquote, voter registrations by a presidential campaign, 
and submits enough fraudulent voter apps to effectively increase the voter rolls by 50% in one jurisdiction in one day, that's apparently how much fraud it takes to refer it to an investigation. But not to actually produce any arrest or indictments in three years. Now, this is all relevant right now because far-left Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel indicted 16 Trump 2020 electors on eight felonies each because, she says, they signed a certification of their status as electors and tried to create an alternative slate of electors knowing there were no legitimate ongoing voter fraud claims and no voter fraud investigations going on in the state. And you know how she knew that? Because she stopped it. She stopped a real, honest, evidence-backed case of voter fraud. And we don't have a voter fraud investigation going on here. And so she indicted them because she's the one that stopped the investigation. Ladies and gentlemen, this crap is everywhere. It has been from the beginning. We hear the lies still to this day. There was no voting fraud in 2020. Every one of Donald Trump's 32 cases that he filed, they were kicked out because there was nothing to them. Bald face lie. He won two cases. The other 30 The other 30, you know why they were rejected? Because the people, person, organization that filed the suit were ruled by the judge to not have standing to file the suit. In none of those cases was discovery done or evidence ever uh, brought to the public's eye because the judge didn't let the trial happened. What do you have to say about all that? <laughs> Let me just tell you. If it quacks and if it waddles, it's always a duck. I'm just saying. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. What's the biggest number you can think of? A trillion, billion, zillion. That's pretty big. How about you? Ten. Okay. How about you? Infinity. Can you top that? Infinity and one. Actually, we are looking for infinity plus infinity. Sorry. What about infinity times infinity? Oh. It's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. 
You guys good? Mm. Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. In the right car, without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets, fries, a drink, and the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell soliloquy. It really is everything I ever wanted. Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's biggie bag is everything you ever wanted. Sorry, I'm going to need all that back. Really? When the press takes their marching orders from powerful special interests, you want a direct source for the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Again, Dan Newman. Should anybody be surprised that uh, Her Majesty, Majesty, whatever the title is, Hillary Clinton, she found somebody that would talk to her live on the air. And who might that be? Rachel Maddow. Rachel Maddow of MSNBC. And Rachel had Hillary on right after this latest spate of charges came out of Georgia. And instead of me tell you about what they said back and forth, let me let you listen. Here's Rachel Maddow and Hillary Clinton. All over the country right now, people are wondering what Hillary Rodham Clinton is thinking, <laughs> watching things unfold in Georgia. She is the former Democratic presidential nominee, U.S. Senator from New York and Secretary of State. I should tell you, she has a new essay out in The Atlantic on the well-being of Americans and our democracy. It's called The Weaponization of Loneliness. Madam Secretary, fancy meeting you oh, here. Oh, I really can't nice believe this. <laughs> yeah, this is not the circumstances in which I expected to be talking to you. Nor me, Rachel. It's always good to talk to you, but honestly, um, I didn't think that it would be under these circumstances. Yet another set of indictments. This is something, um, this is becoming like a skill set. Like in yeah. the news business, you say like, oh, I've covered Olympics or yeah. I've covered a campaign. Now it's, you know, those of us who've covered four indictments. Um, I don't know if four is it. We don't know if Donald Trump is among those indicted this mm. evening, but all expectations are that he will be. Do you feel satisfaction in that? You warned the country, essentially, that he was going to try to end democracy, but the, most of the country didn't believe you. Well, it's hard to believe. I, I don't feel any satisfaction. I feel great, uh, you know, just, just great profound sadness that uh, we have a former president who has been indicted uh, for so many uh, charges that went right to the heart of whether or not our democracy would survive. And we don't know yet what the charges coming out of Georgia are. But if you stop and think about what the public evidence is, and you've been talking about some of that for the last hour, uh, he set out to defraud the United States of America and uh, the citizens uh, of our nation. He used tactics of uh, harassment, intimidation, uh, he made threats. He and his allies uh, went after state officials, local officials responsible for conducting elections. Now we know they even went into voting machines uh, in order to, uh, you know, determine whether or not those uh, voting machines had somehow been breached when they were the ones actually doing the breaching. So uh, there is a, a great deal already in the public record. We'll wait to see what the indictments themselves say, because clearly this investigation has been very thorough. Um, 
but I don't know that anybody should be satisfied. This this is uh, a terrible moment for our country to have uh, a former president accused of these uh, terribly uh, important crimes. The only satisfaction may be that the system is working, hmm. uh, that all of the efforts by Donald Trump, his allies and his enablers to try to silence uh, the truth, to try to undermine uh, democracy, uh, have been brought into uh, the light and justice is being pursued. Well, in that little back and forth, Hillary did say one truth. The truth has been revealed, but not the truth that she was referencing because the truth she was referencing as the mother of all liars when it comes to elections and election campaigns, Hillary Clinton knows better than anybody. Trump is not guilty of this. How can you say that, Dan? You don't know what the facts are. You're right. I haven't seen all of the evidence, nor have you. But that doesn't matter to those people on the left. Let me tell you what's true. Hillary Clinton had a server in her house illegally, a violation of federal law, every time it was used to send documents, emails, any kind of information Every time she sent or received anything from or to that server, it violated federal law. She had a treasure trove of emails on that commuter. Everybody knew it when we found out it was there. James Comey told us about it before he got fired. 39,000 of those emails, all classified, were under subpoena by Congress and Hillary had her staff delete every one of them. Also under subpoena by Congress were her cell phones, those of her workers, employees, and Hillary had every one of them destroyed. And then there was this little thing called election interference. Hillary? Oh my gosh, she would never do anything like that. Her campaign went out and found the guy and had him, paid him a bunch of money to create the Steele dossier. And then she got all her buddies over at the Department of Justice, the FBI, to go get a FISA warrant using the lying, and they knew it was false. Steele dossier presented that as proven evidence that Trump was working with Russia and got a FISA warrant to surveil pretty much everybody in the Trump administration, which wasn't an administration yet, and renewed the FISA application, and renewed it again every time telling the court, this is all factual. We've got evidence that proves it all. Where I live, 
we call somebody making all that up and filling a campaign cycle with nothing but laws against your opponent, election interference. Not Hillary, though. So you just got my two cents on Hillary. Right after that, Megyn Kelly, who I really like. If you haven't found her, you need to go to YouTube and get her. Just do Megyn Kelly, M-E-G-Y-N, Megyn Kelly. She does a podcast daily, and she's a firebrand, an attorney. She had her own show at Fox. She got crossways with Fox and left. But she nailed this thing. You think I just got tough talking about <laughs> Ms. Maddow. Listen to Megan. Can I tell you, it, that was a disgusting display by both women on the set. I would vote for Ron DeSantis over Joe Biden any day of the week. I've made that clear, okay? I, I tell you what my bias is. When I sat across from Ron DeSantis, I pressed him. I pressed him on the weaknesses in his arguments, things that he said that were inconsistent, positions he had that would fall apart potentially if you really you know, drilled down, and he stood his own. That's what a journalist does. That's what your obligation is as a member of the media. You failed, Rachel Maddow. You failed. I don't care how much they give you, $30 million a year. You're not worth 30 cents. That was an embarrassment. You fell down on the job. You embarrassed yourself and your network, and you ceded the entire discussion to a dishonest broker who set us down this disgusting path that we're now on, where everybody denies everybody's the real president. Shame on you both. Shame on you both. That's like mama going after little kids. But isn't it true? Isn't it true? It's become gamesmanship. I honestly... And I'm, I'm going to say this, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Whenever I hear anybody in any way affiliated, associated with, elected, or hired, a bureaucrat, whatever you want to call them, in politics today, when I hear them on any critical or important topic, tell me, this is the way it is. Bam. You know my first impulse? I immediately disbelieve what they told me. And my, my operating mind now, what I do is I go find the facts about what they said. And there are obvious places to go do that. Isn't it, isn't it a shame that anybody in media would feel like that's an automatic? You got to do it because you can't believe anything they say. Nothing, they say. Joe Biden should give anyone and everybody the proof that that's the way he rolls. And he's one of the most successful members of our federal government and has been for 50-something years. So he's obviously worked the, I'm going to say things that make me look good, feel good, and I don't care if they're lies or not. He's been busted again and again and again for doing just that. Yet he is the president of the United States. Oh, by the way, he wasn't elected legally. There, I said it. I committed the venial sin, <laughs> election interference. That's all it could be if it wasn't a true election, right? Wow. Have you noticed how the clockwork is just so in sync in this whole Trump drama? 
four Trump indictments, one, two, three, four. Each one of them came almost simultaneously with the revelation of four damning Biden business allegations. Monday night, grand jury in Georgia indicted Trump for the fourth time. His first indictment way back when was in New York. Two more federal indictments followed in Florida and Washington, D.C. Each indictment, let me give you the timeline, okay? The first one, here's how it happened. March 16th, Hunter Biden admits the laptop from Hill was his after years of denial. March 18th, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office leaks the news of the first Trump indictment. And then the second one, June 8th, House Oversight Committee Republicans confirm an FBI FD Form 1023 file in which an informant claimed to possess two pieces of evidence that showed Joe Biden received $5 million after threatening to withhold aid to Ukraine until a prosecutor probing the Ukrainian energy company Burisma Holdings was fired. That was June 8th. Next day. Next day, June 9th, special counsel Jack Smith releases grand jury indictment of Trump in the Mar-a-Lago documents case. That's two indictments. The third, July 31st, Devin Archer, Hunter's best friend in business, testified before the House Oversight Committee, and then Vice President Joe Biden participated in more than 20 business phone calls to sell the Biden brand to Hunter's associates. That was July 31. Next day, August 1, special counsel Jack Smith releases Trump's January 6th indictment. And the fourth one, August 11th, Attorney General Merrick Garland designates a special counsel in the Hunter Biden case. By the way, did it counter to the rule that Congress passed about who can be a special counsel? It must come, that counsel can only be appointed from outside the government. Merrick Garland, I'll thumb my nose at it. I'm the attorney general. I can do whatever I want to. So he named his buddy from up in Delaware, Weiss, David Weiss. Longtime hardcore leftist had already proven he was in the tank for the Bidens. You remember that Hunter Biden sweetheart deal that he worked on and they come up with an agreement where Hunter wasn't going to serve any time. Massive IRS fraud. We're going to sweep that under the rug. Federal gun violation. Oh, that's no big deal. And he's now the special counsel that's investigating Hunter Biden. That was August 11th. August 14th, a Georgia grand jury indicts Trump for questioning the 2020 election. You know, that First Amendment right that we all have. Conservatives have been saying the tie line seems very suspicious. And they suggest Democrats are trying to keep the spotlight off the Biden family. Every one of these nonsensical, politicized, and unconstitutional indictments against Trump 
has been designed not only to hurt his chances in 2024, but also to cover up and deflect attention from the far more serious and egregious crimes. These, the ones they're going after that we're seeing page after page, time after time. We've seen them, we've heard them for years, and the FBI does nothing. While Hunter committed real crimes that are being brushed under the rug, Trump is being charged for speaking his mind, consulting with his own lawyers, and following the law. Based on the latest indictment in Georgia, it seems the next thing these activist DAs will try is to criminalize through precedent. Is mere thoughts... If you even think anything that bucks the leftist consensus, you're guilty of something. Luke Mahoney's a veteran digital strategist. He said the unprecedented lawfare indictments occurred like clockwork. At this point, it's like clockwork. Every time there's a major revelation in the Biden investigation, the very next day, Trump gets indicted. That, of course, shifts the focus of the Republican donor base from defeating Biden and congressional Democrats too in 2024 to defending Trump from this unprecedented lawfare. One conservative commentator who wants to remain anonymous because of the fear of retribution from the Hunter Biden legal team said this, Joe and Hunter Biden have to be the luckiest people in the world. Every time bombshell revelations about the Biden crime family are revealed, from the Bidens taking millions from Russia and Chinese oligarchs, or millions in bribes from the Ukrainian gas company Burisma, there's another far-left prosecutor ready to hand down a new indictment of Donald Trump. The Bidens can count on the corporate media covering the Trump news while they're ignoring the ever-growing mountain of evidence regarding the multitude of Biden family criminal enterprises. Let's just close out this segment. Almost an hour. (laughs) I've been talking to you about this. Let me just say this. The stuff that we just shared with you, all of the examples overseas, most of them overseas, but in In democratic countries, example after example, where whoever is in office, the ruler, the ruling class, whoever, if it's a group, if it's an individual who's in office, and they want to not have evidence and facts that make them look bad out in the public. So during an election cycle, what do they do? They destroy their opponents. Hey, if you don't think you can win, you want to make sure you're going to win? Let's do all kind of bad stuff and make your opponent look like they're guilty of everything that you probably are guilty of. That, my friends, is an attack on the electoral process, on the United States Constitution, on the rule of law, and on common decency fair and equal treatment for all tenants of the founders 
that they plugged in when they established the United States of America. If this, and you may want to mark this down, 10 a.m. Wednesday, August 16th, uh, 16th, 2023, Dan said this, if this charade stands, the United States of America as we know it today is over. Fundamentally, truth, justness, and equal treatment under the law are the only things that separate this country from communist China, from Russia, we will be no different from any of them and any of those banana republics in South America, Central America. That point will begin a great decline in everything good about the United States of America. Joe Biden has really done a great job at denigrating our nation before the eyes of leaders in other nations. I will never forget yesterday, late, I got into a conversation about the very beginning of the Trump administration. Do you remember? You remember the first trips that he took? We were told in the campaign, none of these leaders, none of these world leaders will accept him. He's a, he's a, a loud mouth. He's gregarious. He's just a business guy who thinks he knows everything. He's got a speckled past. He's just not a good person. First place he goes, you remember, Saudi Arabia. The leader of every Muslim nation on earth was there to be part of the group that met him and met with him. That shocked me when I saw that happening. I couldn't believe it because I too, I felt like what these leftists had been spewing, there must be some factual information behind it. I mean, they're in the media business. They were in awe at Donald Trump. You know why? He talked plain. He didn't pontificate. He didn't go in there acting politically correct. He didn't go in there kissing any butts. And he laid out what his plans regarding their nations and what their nations do in the open markets compared to what the United States is going to do on his watch, Donald Trump, and what his expectations of them are. Now, what was the 900-pound gorilla in the room? Oil. Those guys, for generations, have controlled all the oil, everything to do with it. How much comes to market? What are the prices? When are the prices going to go up at the pump? Why are they going to go up at the pump? Those people, OPEC, control all of that until Trump became president. And in three years, not only did he have all of that ferreted out, he had all those leaders and all of the leaders of major countries around the world patting him on the back and wanted him around. October, October of 2019, first time in my lifetime, 
the United States of America was energy independent. It didn't take Joe Biden but one day to steal that from the American people. One other thing about Trump, and I'm going to leave this alone. You remember when he went to NATO? NATO, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. It's been there since World War II. This is to protect a group of nations that joined together to protect all of our nations, especially the smaller ones in Europe, from people like Vladimir Putin, China, any of those people. NATO. And the way NATO is funded is each member country is required to give up for defense a percentage of their gross domestic product. It's been in the rules since the very beginning. And the only nation that had been doing that since the very beginning consistently was the United States of America. So I remember his trip to NATO. Everybody in mainstream media, they were laughing and hoo-hawing. Oh, he's going to go over there and they're going to look at him and tell him what for. They're not going to listen to him. They listened to him. And he told them, you got to pay your fair share. The United States is through picking up your part of the burden. And I don't think they're all up to their obligation by the uh, commitments that all NATO countries have to make regarding finances. But they immediately started paying a buttload more money into NATO. And all these far leftists, and I'm not just talking about here, other places in the world, some of these European leaders that are socialists, and even Trudeau up in Canada, they were all with Donald Trump at this first couple of meetings, and they would get together and laugh at him and chuckle. You could see him over there. But you know what? They quit laughing and chuckling just as a bunch of slightly intelligent leftists in the United States did, they realized Trump's not all about just being Donald Trump. What he's really all about is making America great again. I paid $1.65 a gallon for gas the day that Joe Biden was elected, $1.65 at the same place, Sam's, Sam's Discount. The same place. Last week, I paid $3.18 a gallon. Sound like uh, we're in a better place now? Sound like we've got a president that gives a rip? How do you think those people in Northwest Maui feel today? How do you feel about that? What do you think, I mean, what's the fundamental part of any president's oath of office to protect and defend the people of the United States against everybody and everything? We are the kindest, most giving nation in world history. I don't have the numbers, but it's mind-boggling what we do. Just look at what we've done for Ukraine. And if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, if you didn't listen to what Dunstan Teo told us about the big bulk of the money that went to Ukraine from us, how it went and where it went, that was in yesterday's show. You need to go download it. 
and listen. Because you'll realize Biden doesn't live in that world. He was at the beach again last weekend and made an announcement. Hey, I'm going back to D.C., but then I'm going to get back on Air Force One and I'm going to go to, I don't know, Lake Tahoe, right on the border of Nevada and California. I'm going to spend a week out there. Reporters here when Marine One landed on the lawn of the White House when he came back from Delaware from his little weekend vacation. Reporters asking. He had nothing's been said about Maui at that point, at least by the White House. Walking across the lawn, Mr. President, Mr. President, what do you have to say about what the people of Maui are dealing with? The fires. He had two words to say. No comment. What do you think Donald Trump would have said? Well, first of all, Donald Trump wouldn't have gone to Delaware. He wouldn't have gone to New Jersey where he's got a club that he owns and he goes there and lives there a part of the year. He wouldn't have gone to Mar-a-Lago for the same reason. Do you know where he'd have gone? Maui. He'd have been there already with a checkbook in hand instead of Joe Biden even talking about Maui, let alone going to Maui. He wouldn't even say anything. He didn't say anything about it until yesterday. And it came out next week. He and Jill are going out there. They're going to Maui. That's all talk. And I'm going to break. I'm going to break. But I wanted to give you some facts for you to stew on. Monday, even though Joe wouldn't talk about Maui, you know what he did talk about? Hey, I'm sending another $200 million to Ukraine. We're all in with the Ukrainian people, right? How much have we already sent them? It's not much. $76.8 billion. $76.8 billion dollars. Let me break it down for you. 3.9 billion of that is humanitarian stuff. Emergency food, healthcare, refugee support. 26.4 billion is financial. Budgetary aid through the economic support funds, loans and other financial support. 18.3 billion security assistance, training, equipment, weapons, logistics support and other assistance provided through the Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative. $23.5 billion, weapons and equipment. $4.7 billion, grants and loans for weapons and equipment. Every dime of the cash that has gone to Ukraine from us, every stinking dime did not go through wire transfers or whatever. It was converted to cryptocurrency and sent to various people's crypto wallets. And the justification was when the war was in its peak, the banks were all screwed up. The financial systems in Ukraine were all screwed up. Mr. President, we need a safe way for you to send us all this amazing money and aid that you're sending us. Let's do it cryptocurrency. 
Sounds good, doesn't it? Where did all that crypto go to and how much in all of these transfers? Every week, every 10 days, we hear the announcement. President Biden is sending another 10 million, another 20, another 30. It all totals 76.8 billion. That's before the just announced 200 million that's going over there because we haven't sent them enough. Not all of it shows up in Ukraine. Listen to yesterday's podcast. You'll find out. And it didn't come from me. Okay? So here's the guy with the big heart. I'm an American. I grew up here. I'm a hardworking, I'm a union guy. You know, blue-collar people, I've got their backs. Yada, 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 yada. That's Joe Biden. He just came off his Delaware vacation, which he'd been to Delaware vacationing the week before and the week before that, but that's that's okay. Half, 50% of his time as president, he has spent on vacation. Wouldn't that be fun to be able to do that and have all the power and the private jets and access to anything and everything you want at taxpayer expense? And also that comes with basically no requirements of anything from you. You just have fun, Uncle Joe. Taxpayers are going to pay for all of this stuff for you. You're okay. We got your back. Lahaina is nothing but a pile of ashes. And that means people's lives are gone. Many of them dead. We have no idea how many people totally, what the death numbers were. It's over 100 now. 100 people on one island in Hawaii, dead. Every building, rubble, ashes, You know what that represents to pretty much every American, every single American, also every every citizen of every country on the planet? A disaster. I am very familiar with disasters. This didn't happen, by the way, because of climate change. It happened because of fire. It happened because of t- almost tornadic winds that blew some electric lines down in the middle of a drought, caught on fire and just spread. Nobody could stop it. People were actually getting into the ocean, diving and jumping into the ocean to save their own lives. It was that bad. I've been through, I don't know how many hurricanes. Grew up in South Louisiana. We rode them. Every time those things happen, Americans stand up, step in, and provide all the help and assistance that is necessary to help other Americans. So as we go to break, I just want you to understand what our president, what he's doing for the people of Maui. On the same day, he announced, we're sending $200 million more million to Ukraine. Every person in that part of Maui gets a one-time check. Wait a minute, it's not every person. Every household gets a one-time check for $700. 
That's going to change your life, isn't it? I don't know if it's the only reason, but part of the reason this happened this way is Joe, either directly or indirectly, through the cryptocurrency that goes to Ukraine, gets a little bit of a greased palm. That's not from me. That's from the largest owner of Bitcoin on the globe, Dunstan Teo. Put that in your peace pipe and smoke it during this break. You need brake pads? We have brake pads. Like dependable brake pads, quieter brake pads, longer life brake pads, and performance brake pads. At AutoZone, we have all the brake pads you need so you can get the job done right. Get in the zone, AutoZone. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you can see what's happening in your home from anywhere. All powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24/7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We got you something. It's a deep, deep dish pepperoni and bacon pizza, and we gift wrapped it with over three and a half feet of bacon. You've been working so hard. We love you. Get a Little Caesars large bacon wrapped deep, deep dish pizza for just twelve bucks. Try our convenient app and pizza portal pickup. Pizza, pizza. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Isn't it interesting, early in the show, in the first hour, we gave you the tie-in of the four indictments of Donald Trump and people around him. And of course, those indictments, they include, there are only four indictments, but they include dozens of charges. The timing of those, it wasn't accidental. There's no way it could be, but it aligned up with the revelations of horrible wrongdoing on the part of members of, including the president, the Biden family, um, whatever you want to call it, hit operation, I don't know. Also, I want to remind you of something. You know, as we've we've, uh, watched and we've talked about our horrors at our southern border, and I won't get into the horrors again. We all know what they are. 
We know what the instigation is. We know there are people, Biden himself, people in his administration, that every day are committing federal fraud felonies in the process of supposedly enforcing federal immigration laws that Joe Biden refuses to enforce, which, my friends, is an impeachable offense. Just thought I'd stick that back out there. But you remember all the money that we've gone through at our southern border? We have no idea how much because it doesn't go. It's not a check that they write from the U.S. Treasury that goes to whoever or whatever. It's spread all around. Who's it spread to, Dan? These NGOs, non-government organizations. Most of the time, they're not-for-profits. And some of them, let me just be clear, some of them are very good people, very honest, hardworking people. But some, not so much. And why does it go to these NGOs? Well, the government, our government doesn't have the personnel, the facilities to take in. Five million people and house them, feed them, clothe them, give them health care, all of those kinds of things. We can't do it. But you know what we can do? We can go to the Fed and we can borrow, oh, I don't know, a few more billion dollars and we'll just cut checks to these NGOs and they're going to do all the dirty work, right? Well, Follow the money. Dan's advice to you always. Follow the money. A former FBI supervisory special agent confirmed Biden's 2020 transition team was tipped off about its plan to interview Hunter Biden. Now, this is not the story I was going to tell you about, but I'll finish this one and we'll go back to the story I want you to hear about. Former agent, worked for the Bureau for 20 years, retired in June last year. He corroborated IRS Supervisory Special Agent Gary Shapley, his testimony before Congress, that the Secret Service and the Biden transition team were tipped off about a planned interview of Hunter during the U.S. Attorney for Delaware David Weiss's investigation. They gave him the heads up. This former FBI agent first corroborated Shapley's testimony back in July. The House Oversight Committee released the transcript of the agent's testimony Monday. Today, we're releasing the former FBI supervisory special agent's transcript. During the interview, he corroborated key details in the IRS whistleblower's testimony. He confirmed that both he and Shapley were told in early December of 2019 not to approach Hunter Biden at all and instead wait for Hunter's phone call to do the interview. Instead of receiving the call, they got a call from Hunter Biden's attorney and were never, never granted an interview. You think that made a difference? God, the story that I had pulled up and I clicked on the wrong one to tell you about. We were talking about southern border 
all the money that the U.S. have spent, taxpayer money, mine and your money, supporting these illegals. We just find out Republicans in the House are now investigating claims from a Biden official after he reportedly said he made backroom deals with those federal agencies, NGOs, calling the migrant crisis a boom for business. These are allegations from Andrew Lorenzen Strait. His recently recorded statements only further justify Homeland Security Committee's continued oversight of ISIS suspect contract procurement processes. So here's what they do. These various agencies get money, taxpayer money. They award massive single-source contracts for illegal immigrant services to ill-equipped nonprofits like Endeavors. Endeavors, that's the name of one of them, possibly because of connections to Biden's 2020 transition team. It's being investigated now, not by the FBI, but by the House Homeland Security Committee. Does that stink to you? The people in government that are in charge of, responsible for, making sure your taxpayer money is spent the right way, they're involved in this bribery stuff. And yes, it's still alleged, but it's happening. Clay Higgins from down in South Louisiana, he is the chairman of this Homeland Security Subcommittee on Border Security. He echoed the calls to have ICE hand over communications about an $87 million deal to house migrants at the border in hotels instead of government-owned residential centers. Makes sense, right? The issue surrounding this contract, it resurfaced. We've talked to you about this contract several years ago. But it resurfaced last week after Project Veritas said reported that Biden transition official Andrew Lorenzen Strait bragged about how he made backroom deals with federal agencies and called the migrant crisis, hey, 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 it's a boon for business. Homeland Security Office of Inspector General responded by launching an investigation into the $87 million deal with Endeavors. The IG's office found the contract was unjustified and Endeavors took $17 million of the funds that it did not use. Listen to this report. The inspector general also concluded that ICE had never put out a notice to contractors that it needed to rent space to house these immigrant families. Endeavor sent ICE a proposal that stated it could house immigrants, an unusual offering given that ICE had not disclosed any need for housing. What does that tell you? Somebody inside picked up the phone and said, hey, 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 here's a chance to get a little more cash. Lorenzen Strait's prior work was a conflict of interest according to the Inspector General, because he had crafted ICE policy 
as a transition team official while simultaneously advising endeavors. You know how that works. Hey, guys, I've got a chance to get you this big gig, and you don't have to do anything for it. Only thing is, if I get this and you get the money, you got to take care of me. I'm paraphrasing what obviously happened, but it happened. Lorenzen Strait publicly signed on with Endeavors as a senior employee on Biden's first day in office. And shortly after, he locked down that $87 million backdoor deal and a $530 million non-compete contract to shelter unaccompanied immigrant children from the Department of Health and Human Services. Green, Higgins, and Bishop wrote to Acting ICE Director Patrick Lechleitner, Mr. Lorenzen Strait referred to what appears to be the Endeavor's contract as a corrupt bargain. He further discussed brokering a deal that won Cherokee Federal, a team of tribally owned federal contracting companies, a $2 billion contract with the federal government to provide services to unaccompanied alien children, they added. Despite clear conflicts of interest and prior scrutiny, Mr. Lorenzen Strait may be influencing ICE's contracts for migrant services with NGOs and nonprofit organizations, the lawmakers added. Now, I, I just gave you the facts. Do you think we'll hear any more about that debacle? You think there'll ever be anything that came to it? The hotel piece of that that we were talking about, two years ago when it first came out, I went on live and said they had this massive multi-million dollar contract with a couple of hotels in El Paso. They, the hotels, were paid no homeless Immigrants were ever brought, housed there, or stayed there, and yet they got millions of taxpayer dollars. Have no idea what that was about. Never heard another word about it, but it happened. The other thing we don't hear about, you remember that story from about 30 days ago? HHS, they did follow-up, supposedly doing follow-up calls on every immigrant child that comes across gets in one of these non-government organizations that places them with a foster parent somewhere. The committee, Homeland Security, they're supposed to reach out, check on these kids, make sure they're okay. They lost a few of the kids. They don't know where they are. 87,000 kids. It hit the front page of every newspaper in the nation. And it was talked about everywhere, including here, for about a day. I think we talked about it three or four days. Javier Becerra, the secretary of HHS, he came out and debunked it. Oh, that's not true. Never gave any evidence, never gave us the wherewithal of these 87,000 kids. Not a single thing. He just said, we take care of of every immigrant. That's all we do. Man, that's a great guy. I'm 
glad he told us he's taking care of them. Just wonder where they are. This all came out almost exactly at the same time the movie Sound of Freedom came out that is a undercover investigative piece movie that was put together about factual events for massive in the millions of kids being sex trafficked. South America, Central America, islands, all over they come. And the number one place they go in the world is the United States of America. We have babies like that. They may be in homes in your neighborhood and you don't even know it. So our government, they just keep taking care of business for us. We're so busy, we don't have time, but we just give them money and they take care of it for us, right? Like our homeless population. Find out, shockingly, nobody knew it, but did a little check and found out it's way worse than we thought it was. 577,000 Americans are homeless today. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. That represents an 11% increase compared to the exact same month, August last year. According to the journal, the increase would represent by far the biggest recorded increase since the government started tracking comparable numbers back in 07. The next highest increase was a 2.7% jump in 2019, excluding an artificially high increase last year caused by pandemic counting interruptions. Likewise, among those nearly 600,000 homeless Americans, close to 150,000 are considered chronically homeless because they've been living on the streets for at least a year and many suffer from mental illnesses. At the same time, right now, Biden's begging Congress to approve hundreds of millions in American taxpayer dollars to fund a housing development project for border crossers and illegal aliens that have been released into our U.S. interior. Specifically, the funding measure would allow DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas to use more than three-quarters of a billion dollars to fund community-based residential facilities that would operate like a halfway house where border crossers and illegal aliens can live for free and come and go as they please between certain hours. That, of course, is the panacea. That's what we need to do. We need to spend billions more on these illegals. Illegals. When we wouldn't have to spend a single dollar if the President of the United States, if the Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, just enforced the laws that were passed and signed into law when Joe Biden was in the U.S. Senate. People want to say that that process, it was broken. These people were just trying to find a better place to live. Well, put it in the context of the, oh, I don't know, the globe. Do you know the United States of America takes in more legal 
immigrants every year and has for decades than all of the other countries on earth combined every year. Every year, a million or more. These are people that, you know what they do? They live in other countries. They find a way to go to a U.S. office, field office somewhere for the State Department. Every, every country has one. You go there and you, you fill out a form, an application for asylum. You want to go to the United States. Well, you want to do it legally. Those people then reach out to our border patrol and border courts that adjudicate immigration claims, and they get a time for you to appear there, and then you go there legally, and a judge hears your claim, your asylum claim. If he adjudicates that it's a legitimate claim, you're invited to come in and be a part of the legal immigration process. That, by the way, if you follow the rules, at the end of it is you become a U.S. citizen. That process, according to Democrats across the board, is unfair. Oh, we can't do that. Look what they are allowing to happen now for all of this illegal immigration. Those people are paying tens of thousands of dollars per person for the cartels to take them on these long trips. I've heard statistics from Border Patrol agents about how women are brutalized, women and young girls brutalized by these mules, these cartel mules that bring these people to and across our southern border illegally. They're raped. They carry abortion pills so that if and when they're raped by men, they will not get pregnant. Why can't we just work harder to advertise our legal immigration process, which still, it brings in over a million a year that come through legally. We know who they are. They go through an educational process. They learn about the nation. We get to do a, a real background investigation and find out and make sure they're not some cartel member, gangbanger from overseas. They're not part of a gang. They're not murderers. They don't have criminal records where they're coming from. You know, the kind of people that you would feel okay with being your next-door neighbor. Why does Biden refuse to do the right thing? Any thoughts? Any ideas? Meanwhile, Joe's going everywhere telling everybody, every place he goes, how great our economy is here in the United States. It's abysmal. It's horrible. American people are now paying $709 a month more, a family, $709 a month more for the same stuff than what we were paying before Joe became president. $709. Now you put that in the context of two years, two and a half years. How much money has Biden cost you directly? He doesn't want to talk about that. It's Bidenomics, Bidenomics, Biden. We've got more people working now. Look at all these new jobs I created. He didn't create a single new job. 
All he did occasionally is put some people that got laid off or decided not to work during the pandemic, putting them back to work. Meanwhile, his policies, his laws, everything that he's put in place, everything he's done, these massive spending bills, these unnecessary spending bills of several trillion dollars in total, that's part of Bidenomics. That's where inflation, massive inflation, comes from, some like we've never had. But Bidenomics, he's telling everybody in the world things are good. He was in Milwaukee, excuse me. He was, where was he yesterday? He was in Milwaukee, that's right. He has been mocked, laughed at, all kinds of skepticism on social media. He told a crowd up in Milwaukee that he watched a bridge collapse in Pittsburgh last year. He was touting his economic policies during a stop at a wind turbine generator manufacturer in Milwaukee when he brought up the 2022 collapse. Here's what he said, and I'm quoting the president. A lot of you were with me when I was in Pittsburgh, he said. By the way, Pittsburgh is a city of bridges, more bridges in Pittsburgh than any other city in America. He went on to claim, I watched that interstate bridge collapse. And he added, I got there and saw it collapse with over 200 feet off the ground going over a valley. It collapsed. Thank God school was out during the pandemic. Him saying this, it's a video. It's on, it's on uh, what do we call Twitter now. Do we just call it X? It's on X, formerly known as Twitter. Okay, I got that. <laughs> the video's there. You can see and hear him say it yourself. Must have happened during one of his long-haul trucking routes. That's a tweet from former congressional candidate David Jiglio. He recalled another Biden tall tale. Washington Times White House correspondent Paul Bedard wrote to correct the record, he showed up hours later since he was in town on an infrastructure mission. Yeah. Battleground podcast host Sean Parnell was aghast at what the president said. I can assure you Biden did not personally watch a bridge collapse here in Pittsburgh, he wrote. My Lord. Another day, another lie. Why is this tolerated? That's Dan Dakich, outkick broadcaster. He literally can't get through a speech without objectively lying. Viral conservative personality Sonny McSunny Face wrote, if only there was some kind of tracker that could track these presidential lies. Incredible how often he lies. PGA Tour golfer Hunter Mayhand. Hunter, you may get in trouble for that. The PGA doesn't like people talking bad about the government. And you just talk, you talk bad. Realistically, not a gotcha. Joe has been making up his own reality for 50 years in public life, only to keep moving ahead. Top of my class. (laughs) We're going to go to the last break of the day. Don't you even think about tuning away. The next story is, You're going to love this. 
It's sad, but it's sad and humorous at the same time. A feminist medical school professor weighed in yesterday about some trans kids that are identifying, self-identifying. That's not such a big deal, right? Well, it is a big deal. It's about what these kids are wanting to identify as that will blow your mind. We got you something. It's a deep, deep dish pepperoni and bacon pizza, and we gift wrapped it with over three and a half feet of bacon. You've been working so hard. We love you. Get a Little Caesars large bacon wrapped deep, deep dish pizza for just 12 bucks. Try our convenient app and pizza portal pickup. Pizza, pizza. In the steel industry, we dedicate our careers to supporting this country, making products to build infrastructure and skylines, creating jobs, supporting families. And when domestic materials are used, the money stays in our communities. That's what really matters. These people, these places, that's worth supporting. He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, he has Bud Light. And a chainsaw. Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Get in the McDonald's. Ooh, can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Uh, yeah, can I get a... Uh, 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 go, Bubba, go! Uh, uh, pick me! No, pick me! Hey, can I get a... Uh, Ten-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh... Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. So what about this, um, who was it? We'll call this person a feminist medical school professor. Says that trans kids are identifying, are you ready for this? As minotaurs, minotaurs, M-I-N-O-T-A-U-R-S, and claims that Minotaurs are part of this gender transformation. A California hospital executive professor claimed children can identify as mythology-inspired creatures and claimed that this category of children love mermaids. Hey, (laughs) everybody might love mermaids. Is that a real thing? I don't know. Diane Aronsaft, a self-identified feminist who supports a gender revolution, is the director of mental health and cheap shrink at the UCSF 
Benoff Children's Hospital Gender Development Center. She is also a professor at UCSF School of Medicine. The developmental and clinical psychologist specializes in pediatric gender affirmative care for transgender and gender expansive patients. Hmm, maybe we got another term there we need to learn about. Gender expansive. Her biography page reflected that Erin Saft focuses her research on how genders before puberty develop as well as the mental health effects of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, which are part of chemical sex changes on children, which doesn't happen. Oh, they chop up a kid's body, but there's no sex change. Sex change is ruled by one thing and one thing only. Your chromosomes can't change those. Can't change sex. Aaron Sapp made what some may consider fringe claims about gender ideology, including that kids can identify as gender hybrids, which include a mythology-inspired creature called a gender minotaur, and that kids can change their genders by season and can have different identities depending on where their location is at the time. According to Britannica, let's get the facts. A minotaur is derived from Greek mythology, was a creature which had the body of a man and the head of a bull. I totally agree we are in the midst of a gender revolution and the children are leading it, and it's a wonderful thing to see. And it's also humbling to know children no more than we do about this topic of being gender expansive. Hmm. This is Aaron Seff talking. Aaron Sapp believes the transgender revolution is the next phase of the 60s feminist movement, which featured changing stereotypes about gender. No, it really didn't. It was about rights for women that were equal with rights for men. That's what it was about. This one, lady, is slightly different. (laughs) Now we've got genders moving boulders, And it makes a lot of people nervous. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen any boulders anywhere around me rolling around. But you know what? She's a shrink. If she thinks it's so, it must be so, right? She believes that transgenderism is derived by a gender web, which is influenced by culture, upbringing, and nature. Each person's web will change over time as they age. What's your gender? Don't answer until you hear all your options. Aaron Saff wants you to get off the binary measurement scale. She introduced language such as gender fluid, non-binary, and gender expansive, then predicted the language will evolve beyond that and cited her conversation with a seven-year-old as proof that there can be gender minotaurs and hybrids. And as you know, language is political. So what's good today will be politically incorrect tomorrow. So we'll just keep changing as we go. This is a whole group of kids you all should know about. A boy twirled in my office and said to me, you see, I'm a Prius. I'm a boy in the front and I'm a girl in the back.
Okay. Kids keep saying it, she says. That means that's their reality. You've got your reality. I've got my reality. I call that BS. (laughs) What do you call it? Something that is not in that category that is very important. And one of my two U.S. senators yesterday had something to say about it. And it's about all these Trump indictments and Hunter Biden's issues and how all of this plays into the lives of every American. If you're a regular, you know I like John Kennedy. I like what he has to say and the way he says it. Listen to his comments. President Biden is right now on his way to Milwaukee, Wisconsin for a Bidenomics victory lap. I'm not sure what he's celebrating, but it's becoming a familiar refrain from this administration. Look, folks, that's Bidenomics. Bidenomics is just another way of saying restore the American dream. Here to talk with you about Bidenomics, which is the word of the day, word of the week, word of the month, word of the year here at the White House. That's Bidenomics, growing the middle class in this country. The architect of uh, Bidenomics is uh, is Biden. Bidenomics, right? It kind of flows off the tongue. No, it doesn't. And when you take poll after poll after poll showing how Americans really feel, you know for a fact it doesn't flow anywhere off the tongue. The latest shows 51% show the economy is in a downturn and will get worse. That's how people feel. That's what they're going through. Those are the bills they are paying. Only 37% approve of how Biden is handling the economy. 30% approve of what he's doing for inflation. I don't even know what they see. Moody's Analytics says Americans are spending about $700 more every single month than they did two years ago. Economist Art Laffer. They should distinguish between high prices and inflation. That's the real difference. You see prices rise and then rising more slowly. And that's what people really care about. They don't care about inflation. They care about how high prices are. And prices are really high. They have the highest today they've ever been in U.S. history, period. Republican Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana, member of the Judiciary and Appropriations Committee. Senator, no one ever talks about the fact that, yes, inflation, the rate of it has come down to 3%, but it means we're paying 3% more than we did on the top of the high prices we were paying last year. Well, Harris, let me, let me say first quickly, uh, I listened to your, your clip about what's going on in Maui. Um, it, it, you know, it just breaks my heart. We've been through it in Louisiana with hurricanes. All, mm. all I can say to my fellow Americans in Hawaii is uh, you're going to want to give up at some point. Don't. Uh, just get up every day, put one foot down, then another foot. Uh, the American people will be with you. I'll vote to, to help you out in Congress. And I'm just so sorry they're going through it. Amen. I'm also sorry that the American people are going through uh, – through through the, through Bidenomics. Bidenomics is pretty simple. It's just bigger government, more spending, and uh, higher prices. And in, I've said this before, at least in Louisiana, inflation is gutting my people like a fish. Um, my people are getting really good at barely getting by. And in, in America, you, you shouldn't have to take an early distribution from your retirement account or sell blood plasma in order to go to the grocery store. 
And President Biden is is out there saying prices are high and your 401k is crashing because the economy is so good. That's what he just doesn't get it. And 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 that's why he's polling up there, right up there with uh I don't know, yeah, with, fun, I, I, with I a mean, fungal it's, infection. It it's inter oh wow. It is interesting that he doesn't get it perhaps, but then what about all the people around him? Are they not getting it or are they just not truthful? We know that the well, administration they, they can't go ahead. Sure, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, we know that the administration loves to say that inflation is trending downward. We know year over year from July of 2022 to July of this year, the inflation, again, 3.2% after breaking it at peaking it at 9.1% in June of last year. So we're still now paying those prices plus 3% more. Everything is higher. It just keeps getting higher. But when you look at the numbers inflation since Biden took office, the numbers are staggering, Senator. Overall, inflation from January of 2021, when Biden took office, to last month, are, it's up 16%. Food, at home, your groceries are up 20%. Well, my people in Louisiana, um, for example, the median uh, uh, household income for family for Louisiana is about fifty-five to 60000 a year because of President Biden's Inflation and Bidenomics, they're paying an extra $700 a month, 9000 a year, and, and they don't have it. Yes, the good, the, the, if there's any good news, uh, the rate of inflation uh, has been falling. Now, what does that mean? That just means prices are still going up, but they're not going up as quickly as they were. <laughs> but these, I hate to say it, but these high prices, they are permanent. Even if inflation goes to zero tomorrow, mm. we're still going to be stuck with these higher prices, which are a direct re result of President Biden's economic policy. Um, and does the, do the people around the White House get it? I think, I think some uh, get it, but they can't defend it. Others just feel like... Um, their favorite form of spending, which is causing this inflation, is more. Truth there. I don't see how people don't get it. And I don't see how the president can still maintain that he's got everything together. Thank you for being here today. And we're going to leave you with a good, cheerful, kind song. The thought of loving you. Oh my gosh. Have a great one.
so desperately in my darkness you 